Lovely to see you this morning, folks. Thank you for coming. Can I say that? Is that okay? Thank you for coming this morning. You've chosen to uh, take this time and designate it particularly to gather together with other uh, brothers and sisters who want to grow in the Lord, who want to come to know God better and follow, follow Jesus with our lives. We're followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, apprentices to Jesus, learning how he lived and wanting to, to follow him and live like him. So um, I wonder if somebody could bring me a glass of water. I'm feeling dry today, and there's nothing worse than a dry preacher. <laughs> True. I'm serious about, oh, thank you, brother. Oh, I got two, di- and I got a coffee. I got a, st- no, 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 okay. We draw the line. <laughs> I thought I was getting a Starbucks, too, there, but that's, that's all right. You're forgiven. <laughs> we are forgiven forgivers. Are we not? We're forgiven forgivers. Because we've been forgiven, we just, we love to forgive. It's who we are. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it's good to see you. Um, this day, my wife is not with me. My wife Ruth is not here. She told me not to say anything about being ruthless, so I will not say anything about that today. Um, but I was with the leadership, with your leadership team over the weekend, Friday night and all day Saturday, and we had a wonderful time. And you need to know, like, these are 15. 14, 15 people from amongst you uh, who uh, took the time Friday night. They have a life. They all work. They took Friday night and all day Saturday to talk and pray and strategize and to really listen to the feedback that came from the 100 years of prayer. (laughs) It was 100 days of prayer. I'm sorry. (laughs) But you know what? People were listening to you, and they... (laughs) So after the 100 days of prayer, the feedback that was given as we went through this time of prayer, asking God for his blessing and his leadership upon Forest View, that we not just be a little club amongst ourselves, but that we make a difference in the name of Jesus out in the world. Are you with me? So uh, there was this time over the weekend, which was a wonderful time. And so uh, you need to know that there was a lovely unity among us. And there was a, a, a love of God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit expressed among us in the stories of what God is doing in our lives, what God is doing in our church. And there was a deep desire, a passionate desire for men and women all around us to come to know Jesus in a personal way and to begin to follow Jesus as as apprentices of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, a great, passionate desire for men and women to become followers of Christ, to know him and to love him. And so uh, you need to know this, and I hope you'll find a way to express maybe a little bit of appreciation to these people who really care about you and who really care about the Lord and the fact that we, we want to follow the Lord in a really, really good way, healthy way. So anyway, um, we, we are starting today on a new series. Oh, I want to pray before we do this. Uh, Elizabeth, I so appreciated your, your prayer. Thank you so much. 
there's a pastoral sense here that God's among us and he's caring for us through one another, but also in the presence of his Holy Spirit touching our hearts. So, Lord, we come to you now. We thank you. We, we, we need you. Every hour we need you. We ask you right now, uh, would you lead me as I open up your word, as we all look into your word, to hear what you have to say to us today, Lord. You, would you speak to us through the mystery of your Holy Spirit and move us in your direction. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So our new series is called Fresh, Bold, New, and Brave, and it's a study of the book of Colossians. And if you have your Bible, uh, or any uh, little machine that has the Bible on it, uh, that'll be okay. We're going to be reading Colossians and looking through this, and I'd like to ask you, if you would, over um, the next few weeks, so this is four-week series, that you'd be reading through the book, the letter of the, to the Colossians, uh, over and over and over. Maybe read it to your family one night, maybe a chapter of it after supper or something, um, and just continue to soak in the truth of this, and then when you come here Sunday morning, you say, oh yeah, I know that, I read that. And then this will be just lifting us all to another level, I think. So we'll be grateful for that. So the context of this passage right now, fresh, bold, new, and brave, is the, the context is that p- these people are living under the Roman rule. And so Caesar is God in the minds of their culture, right? And his image is everywhere. And in fact, if you get a chance to go over that way and you go to any of these places that have ruins, you'll see these big towers and there were always the figure of Caesar at the top here. Everywhere you went, you saw images of Caesar because he was the image of the invisible God to the people of that day. And the good news there, Caesar is Lord, he has absolute power, and he's the image of God to everybody there. This is what they would have thought. And then, um, not only Caesar, Lord, but there is this whole business of um, the, what's the next thing that comes up there? Yeah, peace, is that peace is found by submitting to Caesar and his rule, and by the dominance of the, of the Roman Empire. That's where peace is found. So, and if you don't submit to the Roman Empire, if you are subverting that power at all, the power that rules, then you could end up on a cross like Jesus. And there were crosses all over the Roman Empire where people were nailed to those things beside a very busy road so that anybody traveling in and out of the city would say, okay, that's what happens if you don't submit yourself to the Roman Empire. Your blood is going to be shed. And the fascinating thing, oh, I just I think of this sometimes, that there is this kind of rule and this power that says, if you don't submit to me, I'm going to shed your blood. We have a God and a king who comes and says, let me, sh- let me shed my blood for you. Let me enter into the pain and suffering of the world and give myself for you so that you can find peace. That's pretty different, isn't that? It's so, what a savior we have. So anyway, peace then was to come through the Pax Romana, this Roman peace, where by dominance and force, they forced peace as long as you submitted to their awful power. And so the good news was in those days, and actually the word, they used the word gospel. 
The gospel is that Rome is ruling and you submit to us and you'll find peace in your life. And we'll find just a minute that there's a different kind of peace that, that we have. And so what's the third thing that comes up here? And that is that Paul gives an alternative version of reality. So here's reality for all to see. Caesar's Lord, he's the big God, he's got power and everything. And, that, and Paul comes along and he, <laughs> he gives a different version of reality. So let's look at this. What is this version of reality? And I'm going to start to read here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, Colossians chapter 1, uh, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers, we could add, and sisters in Christ at Colossae. Does that say sisters up there? Oh, yeah, it does. So in the original, it was brothers, but that was a different era. Isn't it really nice that in God's family, brothers and sisters are equal and together? And it's really true. So, um, and, and just imagine this. To the holy and faithful, or full of faith, brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. So do you think these were like perfect Christians? Like absolutely holy, no sin at all in their lives. I'm actually asking you a question. <laughs> so I see a few heads going like this. No, I don't think so. They're just regular flogs, flogs like the rest of us, right? Trying their best, but you know, sin patterns and this kind of stuff. And yet, look what they're called. <laughs> to the holy and full of faith, Brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, because that's how God sees us. Once we come into his family, he, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, he just sees us as holy. We belong to him, and he, it's not that he's blind. It's not that he doesn't know, but he just, that's how he pictures us and sees us and is forming us to be. So it's kind of cool. Um, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. And so now you start to see that this is actually very, very subversive to the powers that are ruling at the time, Caesar. Because Caesar would say, no, 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 no. Peace comes to you not through grace. Peace comes to you by submitting to me and my power. And if you don't submit to me, I'll crucify you. I'll kill you. We'll get rid of you. But see... The message here is that peace, the shalom of God, the presence of God with us in all circumstances comes by the grace of God. It's a free gift to us. And it's from God, our Father. And many translations say, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. This one doesn't, but um, other manuscripts said, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. So God is the one who gives peace real peace. Not the systems that seem to be ruling in our world. So, so he continues to write, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Notice the tone of this passage. This very pastoral, it's very loving. He's not coming with a big club and a big fist, saying, ah, oh, I just thank God for you. You're following Jesus, you've believed him, and ah, it's wonderful. Do you ever think that God, when he looks at you, he looks at you and he says, Oh, I love the holy and faithful people at Forest View. You say, well, okay, I'm not very faithful, and I'm not very holy. But in God's eyes, that's who you are. It's a miracle. It's wonderful. <laughs> okay, so we keep reading here. So, 
So he gives thanks to God for these brothers and sisters when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. So these people, you know, in all the power structures that are around, what they've said is, oh, you know what? I believe in Jesus. I've, I've received Jesus into my life. I've, I'm following Jesus instead of the powers that rule the world. And because we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, but this faith was not just a head knowledge, just Jesus and me, Jesus has saved me, and I got a ticket to heaven, and that's all. But there's also, along with it, this love that you have for all the saints. So, in other words, the knowledge that they have of God has changed the way they live, and they're reaching out with love to other people, loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving their neighbors as themselves. And the faith and love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. The gospel defined by the Roman Empire is the Pax Romana, the rule of Caesar, and so on. The gospel is defined by Jesus is this way of entering into the family of God, knowing the peace of God. He's really the ruler. Caesar only appears to be the ruler. And there's this hope of heaven. They know they were suffering. Many of them were persecuted and so on. But they have this hope of heaven. They know that even if they die, they get to go to be with God forever. They're experiencing eternal life, which is this quality of life right here, no matter what our circumstances, the presence of God in our lives helping us to live day by day, to love God and to serve him and to serve other people. And this assurance that we go to be with him in heaven after we die forever and better by far. So this hope of heaven um, this, that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit, this good news of Jesus, and it's growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Amazing grace. So we have to hear the gospel first, right? And then understand it and then receive the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why our lives, as we live our lives, our good deeds are really, really, really important. I'm not minimizing this at all. But our words about Jesus are also really, 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 really important. So people can know we're nice people, but they just probably mistake us for Canadians, right? Ah, you're all really, all you Canadians. But when we live and serve, and then we talk about, but you know what? I had such a lovely time at church on Sunday. We just, people there love Jesus and I don't know how you're going to put it in your conversation. What did you do this weekend? Well, I had a, <laughs> we had a lovely time at church. What? Do you go to church? Yeah, people there love Jesus, and I feel loved there. I feel it's lovely. I don't know how you communicate that, but, um, well, you, okay, words and deeds. Does this, does this make sense? Uh, where are we? The gospel's bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you uh, when you understand God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras. He's the guy who 
brought the gospel to them, our dear fellow servant who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Um, Paul has a huge thanks for these people of Colossae. He's never met them before because somebody else went, Epaphras went and told them the good news. But he still loves them and he writes them this letter because they're following Jesus instead of the powers and authorities that seem to be ruling the world. It's Jesus. And so because of that, he launches into this prayer for these dear people. And if you want to know how to pray for yourself and how to pray for your leadership team and your staff here at Forest View Church, and if you want to know how to pray for your family members and for other people that you care for, take a look at this beautiful prayer. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Wouldn't that be a good thing to pray? We really know what God's will is for us and then, and then to do it. Is that what's coming up here? Knowledge of his will. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So understanding is sort of the knowledge part of this, to know God and to know his truth and so on. But wisdom is the skill to actually live it out. So it's not just stuck in our head somewhere, but it's permeating our whole person and we're actually living this out day by day. Skill, the skill of living it out is wisdom. And we pray this in order that you may, wow, look at this, live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus and that you may please him in every way. So a lot of our culture is how do you please yourself, right? How do you entertain yourself? How do you please? But here's a different view of reality, that our life could live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Now keep that in mind, good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Do you see how these things fit together again? There are the good works that we have, but they're connected to our knowledge of God. So for us to know God better, it's not the first goal, but it's a huge goal for us to know God better so that it's lived out in our lives so that the way we live is different. And so it's both of these things that we, we long to know God better, but we're not going to fight about that. We're going to let the truth of God permeate our lives, and then we want to be full of good works that he has for us to do. Being strengthened, so there's strength in order to have this transformation in our lives. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. It's not just our own strength and our own might. Uh, according to his glorious might. It's pretty big. So that you may have great endurance and patience. So do you ever feel a little cynical, a little tired, a little like, where's God in my circumstance right now? This is a prayer that we'll have this kind of endurance and perseverance to keep on following the Lord Jesus, full of faith, whatever circumstances come our way. And joyfully, even joy. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our? Yeah, is our strength. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Giving thanks. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints 
in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us over into the kingdom of the Son he loves. It's the kingdom of light in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption. We're redeemed. <laughs> we're, we're brought out of the kingdom of light and in, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, the Son that God loves so much, the Lord Jesus Christ, part of his family. So, this redemption. Let me tell you a story. The story of Mr. Leach. This guy owned a house and had a big picture window in the front of the house. And he loved to sit there in his living room and to look out through this window and to see the kids playing in his front yard. <clears throat> dry, dry preacher. And his front yard was like a big park and kids would come there and play soccer and kick the can and all kinds of stuff like this. Has anybody ever played kick the can? Do you know what I'm... Okay, this may, might be a generational thing. Um, <laughs> so... Um, one day, a kid came, and he had a BB gun, or pellet gun or something, and anyway, he, so he was setting up a Coke can or a Pepsi can, as some are very, have a preference for Pepsi over Coke. And, um, but anyway, they were shooting at these things, and then this kid saw a squirrel up in a tree, and boys will be boys, and so he aimed at the squirrel, and he shot, and he missed the squirrel, and uh, that BB kept going and landed right in the middle of Mr. Leach's picture window, and you see this little hole, first of all, and then these cracks in all the direction. And so Mr. Leach looks at this thing, and he stands up, and he looks out, and what do you think the kids are doing? Help me. They're running to the hills. <laughs> Get out of here. So they all run away. There's nobody there. So he calls the glass guy who comes, takes out the broken one, puts in a new one, and he gets out his money, and he pays the bill in full. So then, he sits there, and he waits, and after the next few days, kids come back, they start to play again, and so on, but there's always one guy who's never there. So he goes out one day, and he says to the kids, now, there's somebody who's never here anymore. Can you tell me wh who that is? And the kids said, well, it's, um, <clears throat> it's Bruce. And this has nothing to do with the fact that Bruce may be the... Uh, the person who's the chairman of the leadership team has the name Bruce. It's just by happenstance that it's the same name. But it has everything to do with Bruce and every one of us, actually. So Bruce. So Mr. Leach goes looking for Bruce. You with me? And so every time he sees Bruce somewhere in town, Bruce sees him and, and takes off, right? So finally he sees Bruce one day walk into the hardware store, and he says, I got him comes to the door, walks in the hardware store, and he looks up and down, and he can't see Bruce at all. So he walks to the back, down one of the aisle, and here at the back of the store, kind of hard, hiding, is Bruce. So Mr. Leach comes down, and he says, excuse me, son, is your name Bruce? Yes, sir, it is. He says, did you used to play in my yard? I'm Mr. Leach. He says, yes, sir, I know who you are, and yes, I did. He says, um, did you bring a, a BB gun and, and shoot out my window? He says, yes, sir, I did, and I'm really sorry. He says, now I want you to know something, Bruce, and listen to me well. I have paid for that window in full. I've paid the price. 
in full. And I forgive you. I forgive you, and I want you to come back, and I want you to play there again. And in fact, I'm inviting you to be my friend. And at first, Bruce couldn't believe this. He couldn't believe it because it was too good to be true. A gift like this, you didn't have to pay anything. You just had to believe it. And like, how does this work? And he still, he still had this fear of Mr. Leach. But when he believed it, something changed inside him. And you know what? He loved Mr. Leach, and he became a friend of Mr. Leach, and he loved to do whatever he could to serve Mr. Leach because of the gift of forgiveness, the gift of grace towards him. Now, every story falls way short, doesn't it? So at the risk of making sin, a little sh accidental shot of a BB gun, and at the risk of making the, the price of this kind of reconciliation, making that price a few bucks of a person who can throw a few dollars at the thing. When we know that the price that Jesus paid, that God paid to reconcile us, was, was the very life of Jesus, going to the cross, pouring out his blood, his body being broken for us, at, at the risk of trivializing those things. This is not a bad picture of what God has done for us. Are you with me? That he's come looking for us and he's paid the price in full because he wants reconciliation. He doesn't want judgment. He doesn't want separation. He wants this kind of reconciling thing happening because this is the kind of God that he is. And so Paul, with this in mind, he launches into this big thing about who Jesus is. And, and that's what the rest of this passage is about, about the supremacy of Jesus, that he's, this is really the one who's ruling. He's really what God, what God is like. So let's look at this. He is the image. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. This is starting to sound like John chapter 1, right? Where in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and by him, all things were made. Um, all things were created by him and for him, whether, uh, oh, I missed something, things, were, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. Chronologically, he existed way before anything was made. But also in terms of supremacy, he's, he's before, he's high, he's above all things. And in him all things hold together. And so what's Jesus doing now then? He's the head of the body, the church. He's our head, he's our leader, he's the leader of this church. And for us to be, so we are his hands and feet on the earth, right? What's he doing on the earth right now? He's leading his church forward so that we're making a difference in the world. He's the head of the church and, um, where am I? 
Oh yeah, he's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He's the first one to have, to have risen from the dead to say that there is a rising from the dead and there is a life after death so that in everything, Jesus might have supremacy. You realize how subversive this is to the, to the Roman Empire and to everything that might rule and dominate our lives right now. Jesus is high and above all these things. He is supreme. He is the supreme one. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I am amazed at times how small my view of God can be and how small my view of what Jesus accomplished on the cross can be. I, 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 and I long for people to just see how great is the love of God and how if people would only turn to him, they get his eternal life here and forevermore. Because well, his love is amazing and his sacrifice for us is so great. Once, uh, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. So we celebrate his blood and his body, don't we? And we will in just a few moments here. The fact Jesus went to the cross, his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, he took the sins of the world upon himself, so that we can be forgiven and given a brand new life. It's amazing. Uh, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without any blemish and free from accusation. And we say, well, Lord, this is a piece of good news because I find myself accusing myself quite a bit at times. And I find myself accusing other people from time to time but he, we're the people of God. This is, this is who we really are in God's sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And if you continue, now in a sense, this is a little bit of a warning to us here, because sometimes we get weak and tired and so on, we say, well, maybe I'll quit. But he's saying, no, no, there's a strength and there's a power here for you to continue in your faith, established and firm not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Listening to this beautiful hymn, song, really, poetry about Jesus. It's not Caesar who's the image of the invisible God or any power or rule that's ruling in the world just now. It's Jesus who is truly the living God. It's not the economy, not the entertainment of Hollywood. It's not our own personal security that, 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 that gives us life. It's Jesus Christ who gives us life. And this news is subversive to all the powers that appear to rule. And all the powers that appear to rule always rule by force, by the shedding of other people's bloods. Let them pay. 
blood. And Jesus comes and he says, okay, I rule by the shedding of my own blood to give you life and freedom. So this is a hymn of Jesus being the image, the perfect image of God. All the fullness of God dwells in him. He's not trying to sell you anything, not coming with vengeance and power and force and domination. He comes with the joys and sorrows of life as a human, the God-man, tasting the joys and the sorrows of life. This is who God really is. And in a world of disconnection and fragmentation and disintegration and polarization, he wants to integrate and reconcile. He holds all things together. Whatever you can imagine, whatever powers there are in this world over you, he's above them. Even in all of the rebellion of the powers of this world, he's sovereign over all those things. More than this, he's even the head of the church, the body of people just like in here we are. And we don't come to dominate or force or condemn or judge anybody else, but we come in radical, humble service like Jesus did. We're flesh and blood people. We're the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, and we also taste the joys and the sorrows just like Jesus did. And we meet around a common meal, which we're going to do in a couple of minutes, where we taste the bread and we drink the cup and we say, oh, Jesus has gone this way before us and he's the one who has entered into the joys and sorrows of life and he's made it possible for us to be forgiven and be new people in this world, making a difference, part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And for us to be changed by the living God. In Jesus, all the fullness of God dwells, and he's a reconciler, and we also long to be reconcilers in this world. Once we were alienated from God, but now we're reconciled to him, and we are reconciled reconcilers, forgiven forgivers. So, I want us to pause now for a minute, so just kind of shake your head, okay, would you? <laughs> well, let's go for the closing. I know people say, yeah, pastors always say, let's go for the closing, and it's another half hour, so let's see what happens here. Uh, okay, let's say that like the Roman Empire, there are competing gods in our world that try to dominate us and control us and keep us from letting the supremacy of Christ over our life rule us. So what are some of those gods? And I've just chosen three here. One is the money god. I had somebody say to me in Oakville, man, you just put your head down and make all the money you can. That's what life is about in Oakville. Now, that may or may not be true. I don't know. But the money god is everywhere. As if, if you drive a vehicle that has AMG on the back, and you have a certain kind of sheet metal around you and leather in that vehicle, you're somehow, this is, this is your life is just qualitatively, this is life, man. The money God, what can we buy? So what we do then as believers is, how do we break the strength of that? How do we break down that wall that keeps us from really the fullness of God? So the love, of, uh, money's not bad. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, right? So, so the scriptures tell us. So we then have an alternative view 
of the use of money. So the money that we make and the money that we have is actually God's money. And God says to us, use it. Use it to meet the needs of your family and to invest eternally in the work of God in the world. So, yeah, we need some savings. Um, but our money then is God's gift to us to use to further his kingdom and what he's doing and to take care of the marginalized people in our world and to show the love of God to people in our world. This is an alternative view then of money and the use of money. So how do we break the money God with generosity? Serving the Lord with the money that we have with joy, joyful giving. It's a joy to sit here and we just laugh as we drop that money into the plate as it goes by. Woohoo! Lord, use this. Bless it. Take it. Make it a blessing. So the money God is one. There's a second, second one here that can control us, and it's the independence God. Because you know what? It's my life. I can do what I like, really. And I don't really need other people. This independent God, I can make it on my own. And so, but God calls us into community, doesn't he? He says we're not meant to be here on our own. And on a couple of sides, you, God never intended for you to go through a difficult struggle in life alone. We're not talking about being married or single or anything like this. It's that God intends for us to be surrounded and supported and loved and lifted up by the body of Christ, by our brothers and sisters in Christ. So this independence, God, how do we break this, the strength of this? It's with hospitality. It's with inviting people. So here we are this morning. Some of you know everybody. Nancy knows everybody. (laughs) But not the rest of us, we don't. So what are you going to do tonight? Introverts are going to be out that door real fast. (laughs) That's not your fault you're an introvert, okay? But here's the thing. If we're going to break... If we're going to break the independence, God, we're going to say, okay, Lord Jesus, this is not comfortable for me, but how do I meet somebody today and show the love of Christ? A few weeks ago, we had tables here. Do you remember this? We all met around tables. So for some of you, that's, ooh, that's very uncomfortable. So there's a person across the table. I don't know that person. Well, what am I supposed to do? And for others of you, oh, this is great. Man, we just make conversation with this person over here. So the next time we have tables, so what should we do? No tables anymore. Make somebody uncomfortable we're going to have tables again. And when it happens for us to pray, Jesus, this doesn't feel good to me, but how do I show your love to this person across the table? Because you've called me to break out of the independence, God, and show hospitality somehow. Maybe even invite them over to the, what is it, the funky tie down the road or something and just say, you know what, come out for lunch with me or Timmy Hortons is okay. Okay, the independence, God, that just says, just me, I got my ticket to heaven, doesn't matter, here we go. No, hospitality. There's another one, the comfort God. I just, I like, Jesus wants me to be comfortable and just, how do we break that thing? Because in stepping into service for the living God, there's a certain amount of discomfort. Things get messy. We're relating with other people, things get messy. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Does anybody? Okay, a couple of people. But we break this with loving service. We say, you know, I'm here for a purpose. Use my gifts and abilities for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we break the strength of that other false God that wants to dominate us and rule us. 
and we step out in faith. And you know where we meet God is when we step out in faith out of our comfort zones. There he is over there. And we meet him in fresh ways. So it brings us to the last question, and this is really the last of the last, okay? (laughs) Here we go. Where do you go for fresh hope and peace when things fall apart? You go to the world systems, maybe all I need is more money, or maybe I need whatever. Those are false gods. Jesus is the reconciler, and he is the giver of peace. Because he is the supreme one, he really is. And he comes, if you get a picture of who God is, you see him on the cross with his arms wide open in invitation, ready for embrace, to say, I'll pay the price so you can be reconciled and come into my family. Because I want to forgive you, I want you to be my friend, I want you to step into my family. Oh, what a savior. And what What amazing grace. Lord Jesus, we pause just now and uh, we come before you. We don't deserve to eat the crumbs that fall from your table, but you reconcile us, bring us into your family. You call us to your table to eat and drink with you to be forgiven, to be reconciled to you, the living almighty God of the whole universe, the supreme one above all. Lord, help us identify the false gods in our lives and and to resist them, to fight them, to break their back so that we can live fully for you in the midst of the life, in the center of the life that you desire for us to have, Lord, the life that you've prepared for us. May we at Forest View here, every one of us, individually but corporately as brothers and sisters, may we grow more and more, becoming more like Jesus. We know, Lord, that we're broken. But we know, too, that we've been bought with a great price and brought into your family and reconciled with you. So would you help us and form Jesus in us more and more so that the fragrance of Christ is part of who we are, that our, by our life and our words, by our good deeds and by what we say, people will see Jesus and come to know you as personal Savior and Lord. Would you lead us in this, we pray, in Jesus' powerful name, the great, the great one, the supreme one, Amen. So friends, we're going to pass the elements just now, the bread and the cup, and I'd ask you to take a piece of bread. If, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and this makes all the sense in the world, right? He's the one who saved you and you belong to his family. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you, there are two options today. You could just pass it by and say, well, this doesn't really make sense to me because I'm not a follower of Jesus, so why would I eat this? But you could also, you could say, Jesus, I want to turn to you. I see you as the great one who's given your life for me. And I'd like to follow you. I don't know all that this means, but I want to turn to you, turn away from that other life, and turn to you, Lord Jesus, and walk with you. 
And you could take a piece of bread this morning and take that cup and just say, okay, I want Jesus in me. I want to follow Jesus. And then talk to somebody. Talk to me. Call the church or something this week and say, how do I, how do I grow in this thing? You could do that. So if you take the bread and hold it and take the cup and hold it, and then in a couple of minutes after we sing a song, we'll, we'll eat and drink together. Okay? Thank you so much.